You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 604 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from Las Vegas, where I am still here. I know a lot of the media has uh, gone back to their respective uh, areas of, uh, of living, but here I am. I am trapped in Vegas until the Hawks are done with their journey. So uh, here we are talking about the Hawks late into the evening on this fine Thursday into Friday morning on the East Coast. The meat of this podcast later on will be talking about the uh, game that, that took place on Thursday afternoon between the Hawks and the Wizards. The Hawks lost that game with some uh, not great execution, I would say, in the second half. And honestly, it was a pretty brutal game that we'll talk about here in a minute. But before we get to that contest, a couple of housekeeping items to catch up on here. Um, first and foremost, I mentioned I meant to talk about Vince Carter on the last podcast. Um, Chris Livermore of the AJC reported uh, on Tuesday that Carter and the Hawks, quote, still remains a long shot, end quote. He did say that there have been discussions between the two parties, and that, but that the Hawks are likely to, they're likely to add a veteran but don't want to take, a take time away from the young players, while, while Carter, according to the reporting from the AJC here, is likely looking for a bigger role than what the Hawks have to offer him. At the power forward spot, where Vince is basically uh, confined to at this point in time, he did play some three last year when they had some injuries, but for the most part, everyone has said on the record that he is a power forward, and he definitely was a primary power forward last year. The Hawks do have other options, of course. They have John Collins as the incumbent starter. They have Jabari Parker, who will be clearly ahead of Carter in the pecking order based on the contract that he was given. You have Chandler Parsons. There are some other options at the four. Uh, also, DeAndre Hunter could play there in, in the very near future, so not really a situation where you can sign Vince and really guarantee him any kind of playing time. So if he wants to play, it wouldn't be the greatest spot for Vince, but of course he's below it in the locker room and uh, the Hawks I'm sure have interest in some ways. Uh, the AJC also had a Q&A with Travis Schlank in which he kind of says the same thing, um, just saying that obviously there's interest on both sides there and we'll see what happens. Vince has been out here calling games in Las Vegas and uh, we'll see how that transpires. But for now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the reporting from Chris Bivlemore of the fact that it, uh, Vince and the Hawks quote, still remains a long shot and uh, I will, because I'm, because I'm asked about Vince so often, I wanted to pass that along to everybody, but for now I'm thinking it's probably not going to happen. I will not close the door based on the roster spot that's available for the Hawks, maybe even two in the near future if they move on from Jalen Adams. But uh, here we are for now. I'm, I'm going to say unlikely from what I have heard and what I've uh, seen reported publicly for now. The other thing that I wanted to touch on is that Jabari Parker officially signed his contract on Thursday afternoon in Atlanta. I was not there for this. He spoke to the media, but because I'm still in Las Vegas, I was not on the scene for this one over at Emory. But Parker uh, reportedly cited the training staff and Chelsea Lane as a big part of the reason that he signed in Atlanta, which is encouraging in terms of the reputation of the training staff. Chelsea Lane, I tweeted this out earlier, is definitely someone who I think has a great reputation around the league. Never heard a bad thing about her and the training staff. Um, beyond that, because of the fact that you know Parker has two torn ACL injuries in his past. He's still pretty young, but someone who has a lot of injury issues in the past, it's, it's pretty good to see someone citing the training staff as a reason to sign in Atlanta. Um, also, Chris Pivmore of the AJC passed along a quote from Jabari Parker in a piece that he wrote. I'm going to read it for you here. If anything that I can prove on, it's in, it's, it's in my defense. It's the thing that I continually do to is to input the same amount of effort on offense as defense. It's up from here. When I was a rookie, very lost. Year two, I was trying to get better. I think I've become pretty good, and I've, I'm trying to improve my game that way, end quote. This is now me talking. Uh, Parker's not been pretty good at any point, really, in his career. I should say that just as an analyst. Uh, Parker is a bad defender at this point in time. 
with that said, I did talk about this on the last podcast where we talked about Jabari Parker and signing all that stuff from it from uh, from Atlanta earlier in the week. I will say there is some belief that the Hawks could get the most out of him defensively. You know, Lloyd Pierce is a defensive-minded coach. They are, you know, he's still young. And to this point in time, Parker has not been coached very well in any real, any real stop. When he was in Milwaukee, it was before Budenholzer. It was kind of a mess there with Jason Kidd. When he was in Chicago, it's kind of always a mess there recently. And then Washington is a very, very, for very, very brief time. So, Parker, there is some upside there. Obviously, offensively, it's where you're looking to get real value from him is in his pedigree offensively. He's very a very talented player on the end of the floor. But defensively, it's been an adventure to this point in his career, and uh, that has to be said. But I thought it was interesting that he at least noted that if there's something he could prove on his defense in the past, Parker's given some interesting quotes about how he's not paid to play defense, etc. Um, seems like that might be a mindset shift, at least early on here, to where he knows he's going to have to improve in order to play in Atlanta. And we'll see how he looks um, in the future when uh, looking at on that end of the floor. But particularly because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know a defense is a, a pet peeve of mine. A guy, a guy can't, can't can't defend, and because Parker isn't quite good enough offensively to overcome being a bad defender, it's going to be a little bit shorter leash, I would hope, from the coaching staff and shorter the way this team is constructed. Particularly if Chandler, Chandler Parsons is able to play this season, we'll see how that happens in the future. But for now, Parker projects, at least to me, as the backup power forward, and we'll see how they handle that moving forward. Um, after this short break, we will come back and talk about the game that took place on Thursday. So here's a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more on the podcast. And we're back to talk about Thursday's action. And uh, let me just say this at the top of this, uh, this particular segment of the podcast. Not the greatest game you'll ever see in your life. There was not really a lot going on in terms of storylines in this contest and the level of play was pretty ugly on both sides, frankly, especially in the first half. It picked up a little bit in the fourth quarter, I would say. The quality raised a little bit, but just for for, for some perspective here, both teams shot 38% from the floor. There was some uh, ugly shooting from the Wizards from three. Some free throws from the Wizards, which was kind of a floor-raising effort, but uh, in general, not a lot of uh, productive offense on either side of the floor and uh, a pretty ugly game as a result of that. Um, I guess the headliner, honestly, was something that was the guy who didn't play. That was DeAndre Hunter missing his second straight game with his sore knee. I was told again after this game that it's nothing serious for Hunter, but uh, just the Hawks being careful with him. If I had to guess, I'd be pretty surprised if he was actually going to play on Friday when the Hawks played their final game. Uh, that's not them, anybody telling me that. It's just a situation where um, if the guy misses two games, in a row in summer league, normally you get you have that guy be shut down, particularly when it's a guy like Hunter who is a big time priority for the organization. No real reason to push him along. So again, I, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be utterly stunned because he's not ruled out just yet. If he were to play on Friday, if I had to project, I would assume he does not play um, in that game in the finale, and that'll be it for the sort of a one and done for Hunter in summer league. Um, elsewhere in this contest, I mentioned before, the Wizards didn't score for seven full minutes in the first half. Not a single point, not, not a field goal, not a single point in about seven, seven minutes of action. The Hawks did make six threes in the first half, a couple of threes from Tajir McCall and Matt Mooney, and, and also one from Charlie Brown. Um, McCall had a big first half of 12 and eight, including a, a memorable second effort play that he actually was at, ended up being captured by, by the NBA on their uh, I guess their national league-wide Twitter feed that was a nice uh, energy play from from McCall, who I talked to after the game, and he definitely prides himself on having energy and being able to carry the team. And he even sort of admitted that he was never the greatest offensive player in the world. He definitely has to take his cue from the defensive end of the floor, and that is definitely uh, evident on tape. 
A um, couple of other things in terms of just individual guys that I wanted to re- that I wanted to reference here. We'll go we'll go through everyone individually briefly. Uh, Charlie Brown had 16 points to lead the Hawks in scoring, second only to Rui Hachimura on the Wizards side, who had 25 in this game. Uh, Brown 16 points on six of nine shooting, three of four from three, and four rebounds, a block shot, a, blo- a block shot, a steal, and an assist. Did have four turnovers. Greg Foster uh, was definitely frustrated by everyone, but he referenced a couple, couple guys stepping on the line out of bounds, and Brown did that a couple times in this game. I thought it was. Definitely Definitely more good than bad, though, from Charlie Brown. You can certainly see what the Hawks see in him uh, as a wing shooter type. Defensively, it's a struggle already for, for, for Charlie Brown, no question about that. But I am definitely good with buying in on a guy who is 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan that can really shoot it and is not afraid at all. Both Foster and Brown um, reference that he's not afraid to be shooting, and that's something that the Hawks should should be wanting to sort of unearth in, in, a, in a two-way guy. Obviously, with the way the Hawks look on the wing right now, I don't think he's going to be playing big minutes during the season. But having a guy that they can sort of take a chance on and see how that goes is a right move in my opinion. Bruno Fernando only had two points and three rebounds in this game. They had four steals and three blocks, though. Very, very active defensively. Uh, had an assist as well, 105 from the floor. A couple of, um, I would say, shots that you want to take out of, uh, out of rotation for, for, for Bruno in this game. Another bad fadeaway that I think he probably needs to just excise. I understand there was some reaction when I said that on the last podcast with, with him basically just, you know, it's time to work on stuff. Like, I totally understand that. But that's not a, it's not a shot that I think he's going to be probably taking very much of. Did have a nice off-dribble move again in this game. Then you could definitely see um, what kind of uh, pop he has. And actually, he had a couple of wild plays, I thought, in the first half, just physically and just kind of doing things that nobody his size is supposed to do. That's been pretty interesting to see him kind of do little things like that over the course of the game. Um, Otherwise, not too much going on there. Uh, I mentioned McCall before, 12 points, 9 rebounds to lead the team in rebounding. Uh, Joe Adams had his best game so far. and That's sort of a low bar to clear given how bad he was in the first two games. But in his third game, had nine assists, did have two steals, five points, one of eight from the floor, though. And I said this during the game, but it's worth re- repeating here. Adams' best trait in my opinion, has kind of always been his jump shot. It's just not been going down in, in summer league, which kind of makes things look even worse. He's been struggling all, all, all over the place, honestly, but the fact that he's not making shots makes it, even, makes it look even worse for him. So, you know, we'll see how he looks on Friday, but if I had to bet right now, I, I would imagine he's not going to make it through his uh, guaranteed date later in July, but that's just a guess on my part. Um, off the bench, not too much going on here. Jordan Seibert was 3 of 14. You've now seen the Jordan Seibert experience in the last three games. Uh, two games ago, he was uh, pretty dreadful as a shooter. Then on, on Tuesday, he made everything in sight. And then Thursday, back to 3 of 14. So definitely a hot and cold shooter type. That's going to happen around the league. And uh, that's kind of his role on this team and really in general. Um, Matt Mooney. Looked pretty good. I thought it didn't play a whole lot. I think the, the all, a lot of the calls to have Matt Mooney make, make the team have quieted a little bit. You know, he's not playing all that much, which is probably a good example of him not going to be making the team. Uh, just, that's just something that's usually uh, you can kind of pluck out as, as some evidence that guys are not going to be sticking around when he's only played 15 minutes in the summer league game without without foul trouble or anything like that. So I still like him, but uh, more, in a, more in a G League sense. And uh, that's that's probably it in terms of guys making a real impact that I thought you know are, are worth talking about on, on, on a grand scale. Again, I'd be pretty surprised if anyone on this roster made the team out of camp. You know, bringing a guy like McCall to training camp would make a lot of sense to me. I think he is by far the guy. If you wanted to pick one off the non-roster list that would have a chance to stick around in the NBA, it would be McCall. It's you know the jump shot's the only question there because his defense is really good. He's very active, um, and that's a guy that I I'm definitely predisposed to liking. But even then, I would definitely bet against him making the team out of camp. So that'll kind of do it for the, for that portion of the podcast just because of the fact that, you know, the, the Hawks uh, lost this game. They, they finished 1-3 in the pre-scheduled portion of the uh, 
of summer league, which is you know different from, from the way it used to be when you were only guaranteed to walk. Well, I guess pre-schedule you only play three games, then you play your fourth or fifth in the tournament. Now the Hawks do finish up. I recorded this podcast very very late into the night here, just so I could get the uh, regular information so I could pass this along to you. The Hawks will play their final summer league game. In Vegas on Friday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So a very, very late tip-off. It is Friday, though, so if you want to stick around and watch this game, watch this stuff for the last time, it's worth uh, remembering this is the last competitive basketball that you will see for the Hawks until October. So if you are a Hawks fan that just can't um, bear the thought of waiting for three months before you watch the team, watch the team play again in a competitive you know, NBA-sanctioned kind of basketball game, that'll be the next time. So 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday against the Spurs. Um, Win or lose, that'll be it for the Hawks. They're, they're in the consolation bracket. So just another opportunity to, for, the, for them to play some games. And, you know, we'll see who is available and who's playing in that game. Oftentimes, teams will shut guys down. But the Hawks don't really have anybody that's like a prime shutdown candidate aside from Hunter. I guess maybe you might pedal off on Fernando on, on, a, on a second night of a back-to-back. But we'll see how that looks. And uh, follow me on Twitter for updates at BT Roland. I think I'm the last person in Las Vegas. I was the only one around covering the Hawks on uh, on Thursday. So uh, kind of have some free reign here, which is, uh, you know, there are pluses and minuses to that, obviously. But uh, 10.30 Eastern Time, Friday night. Check it out, and uh, we'll be on the scene for that one. Then probably another podcast after the fact. I'm not sure if I'll wrap up that night or if I will hold off and try to get a guest and go, go a little bit more, more big picture, honestly, because you know these summer league recaps, if nothing big time happens, I might hold off and record a little bit later and uh, go a little bit more with, with, with some more depth with a guest or two in the near future. So please subscribe to this podcast. I really appreciate everybody's patronage here at 12.19 a.m. Pacific time, 3.19 a.m. Eastern time, and hopefully this is, this, this is arriving for your Friday morning commute. Subscribe. Please tell your friends about the show, and we'll see everybody in the very, very near future.